Hi guys, welcome to episode 7 of the No Bullshit Anxiety Talk Show. Today's show is with TEDx speaker Melissa Drake. Uh, we get into it. It's, 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 there's a lot of banter. It's quite raw as you will soon hear. And yeah, this one was a fun one. Hope you enjoy. Melissa, welcome to the No Bullshit Anxiety Talk Show. I'm super glad to be here. I'm, I appreciate you inviting me. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, I'm really excited to talk. I, I just watched your your TED talk again. So congratulations, first of all. It was brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Brilliant is a special word to me. Um, so I, I love hearing that. And, uh, you know, I started out the talk with a quote from Oprah, which is, TED is where brilliant people go to hear other brilliant people share their ideas. So um, it was a great, great experience, and I'm I'm super glad to have participated in it. Yeah, how how did you get into that? I think you know that <clears throat> before we dive into the nitty gritty and the de- depression and anxiety and all that fun stuff. <laughs> 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 well, not surprisingly, it came out of depression and anxiety. Um, so the the talk is really kind of a culmination of what's been happening in my life for the last, I don't know, five or six years. Um, so there is depression and anxiety that comes up in the talk as kind of a byproduct of it. But how I got involved um, was I was I was working for an employer that I wasn't really um, jiving with. And, um, I had moved from Des Moines, Iowa to California, kind of close to the Los Angeles area, but not quite in LA. And, um, I, it was the only stipend. It was the only money I was earning at the time, but I was not aligned with them. So I, and I quit. I gave them a 30 day notice. Yeah, it was hard. Like it was hard. It was the only money I was earning. It wasn't very much money, but I still quit. And, um, I immediately started writing kind of a manifesto of sorts of what what my ideal employer would look like if I were the boss. And as I was writing it, I was like, this is my TED Talk. This is going to be my TED Talk. And this was in December of 2017. Mm-hmm. So I wrote this manifesto long before TED anything came around I just knew that it was something that I was going to do one day and I just kind of let it let it go and live my life and got other jobs more than you know quadrupled the income that I left of the job that I wasn't happy with and um, last year in November so almost a year after I wrote the manifesto I ran into someone um, from the OC and the OC is a Orange, area in California. Orange County. Um, yeah. I used to watch the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, and I met him when I was in Austin at a PR conference. And he was doing a TEDx talk and invited me to apply. And um, I, I kind of hesitated a bit for applying, even though I knew this is what I was supposed to do. But the, the work of it was kind of daunting something i had to overcome yeah it was really daunting and the anxiety of it was was big um the anxiety of the talk was non-existent the anxiety of doing the the work 
to do the talk. And, and, and I mean, really applying was really the only hard thing for me is just getting past that inertia. Um, so then I had an interview with the, the curator and, and some of the people with the event and, and then uh, went right into practices. We practiced um, every Saturday for three months straight. Oh, really? Um, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, like eight hour practice. It was, it was a big, big deal. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's so, so cool. I, I, I think yeah. I'd shit myself. <laughs> I, I don't oh the actual uh, applying would be fine if you're here going if, if if i got accepted i'd be like oh crap now i've actually got to stand up on stage and deliver a talk yeah. uh, i don't like no, public speaking most people don't and you know for me it's like when i was 19 years old i did a fashion show for 500 people on a budget of ten dollars wow like it's just been something that's very easy for me. It comes very naturally to me. So the, the idea of getting on stage, and it wasn't a huge crowd. There were maybe 100 people there. So it wasn't like a, a big crowd or anything. That's plenty. But I wasn't the least bit nervous. I did have a bit of um, just kind of interrupt because I ended up going on stage two hours earlier than planned. So I was like, oh, I didn't get to freshen up and put lipstick on and that kind of stuff. But <clears throat> actually being on stage was not, I was not nervous at all. Really? Yeah, no, not wow. at all. Yeah, not just, just but, but like speaking and being able to stand up in front of an audience and tell your story and communicate your message is really powerful, right? Like, yeah, I think if I had a kid, I'm not saying I want a kid or anything like that, you know, that would be one of the key skills that I'd be teaching him, oh. assuming he is a he. Right. Or her well, I tell you, growing up. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 huge. Um, but speaking of kids, the coolest thing ever was my son was in the audience and um, he's 23 years old mm -hmm. and we've been we've been through hell and back. I mean, literally through hell and back with my depression and all of that. Um, so watching him from the audience literally beaming was the best feeling I've had so far. And it, the same for him. He was just like, wow, it was totally badass watching you do your thing. Yeah, that's so cool. I, yeah. I like I'm, you know, like I, I work a lot with people with anxiety and mm -hmm. um, my, you know, I've thrown myself into that a lot. And then I've kind of neglected my own personal growth. And I know I know public speaking is that one thing that I, I've, I've always hated. And so this mm -hmm. just this weekend gone by, I said, I signed up to an intensive three day workshop, public speaking, improv, all that. And I was like, when I signed up, I was here going, oh, shit. Now I've got, <laughs> now I've got to totally go. Understand. Now I've got yeah. to do it. And it was like, and the whole weekend was just, I mean, it was great. I learned so much. And, and yeah. you know, I was here going like, if personal development is comfortable, then you're not developing yourself. So sometimes yeah. you just got to sign up to shit that you really don't want to do and yep. and come out the other end. And, it, you know, it's rare that you don't get a, a few key takeaways that are going to help with whatever you're trying to develop in life. But, yeah, it was a really interesting experience. Good for you. That's fantastic. Yeah, no, but thanks. I'm not I'm not going doing any <laughs> TED Talks soon, but... 
I, yeah, it's, it's a keyword. You never know. You really <laughs> never know. I'd like to start just just hosting some workshops and yeah, things where you know I can provide value. Anyway, that's for another anyway. discussion. But the other <laughs> part of it was, and and I think you, because you love to dance, right? You talk about dancing quite a lot in yeah. your in your talk, and we there was a lot of improv, and uh-huh. and that was. You know, before I had to give a speech or something like that, I'd find those nerves trickling up and you don't like they're pulling straws out of a hat. So you don't know what like what order you're going in. And right. like the longer you're waiting, the more anxiety is building. And I'm trying to wait to get to that place where I get pissed off. I want to be called early. Or I want to get right. pissed off because when yeah, I get pissed right. off, the anxiety just goes away. Um, but the the improv was really interesting because that made me feel really, really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That like dancing around, just doing stupid shit. Like, I mean, really uncomfortable. I felt like such a, oh, yeah. a tool. Um, yeah. And you're not alone. Like I, I go to the club all the time and so many people, I can tell they like want to dance, but they won't get out on the dance floor or or they have to have a few shots first. They have to they have to have liquid courage to be able to get on the dance floor. Yeah, so to, be able, to be able to move your body in that way without without liquid courage is a, is a big deal. And and to not I mean it all comes down to dancing like nobody's watching and and not caring what other people think. I mean I literally go to the club uh, if I drink anything I, I drink water and I go straight to the middle of the dance floor all by myself. I dance. And then I go home. Sometimes people dance with me, but most of the time it's not. Um, and I just love watching people kind of on the edge of the dance floor. Like they'll dance, but won't go on the dance floor. Just kind of dance in their chair. And it just it just cracks me up. I'm like, get in the arena. Like get on the dance floor. That's yeah. the fun. I'm the dude in the, on the, <laughs> I, I'm, <laughs> I'm the dude in the edge going, what? Because is that like just a normal club where people go and get drunk and party? Yep. Oh wow. I I like to do ecstatic dance too, which is a, a it's ecstatic dance is more about movement and it's not a club. There's not liquor or anything like that. I Nobody's did, hitting on anybody. It's just dance. I, yeah, Nobody I did it once. Together. Yeah. Is great? No. <laughs> <laughs> I hated it. I oh, no. I I did it in this place called Ubud in Bali, and it's like yeah, it's like this spirituality. Spiritual people on yeah. crack up there, like it's crazy. Yes, yes, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and I hated it. And I oh I, no. I mean, you know, it was it was really interesting because it was like I just moved to Bali and I didn't know anyone, and like mm-hmm. someone told me I have to do this ecstatic dance thing. Yeah. So it was more like. It was more, I knew I wasn't going to enjoy it, but it was more like a challenge to step out of my comfort zone. And I remember like, you know, all these people, like there were huge cues to to get in. I was just here going, holy shit, these people are like, they're (laughs) genuinely excited about going in to dance sober. And I'm here going, that's just such a lost concept on me. (laughs) In Ireland, we, you know, we, we go to a wedding, we start drinking at 1 p.m. And, uh-huh. you know, to, like 
throughout the dinner and then the bride and groom have their first dance and everyone's pissed and and then you sit down and get more pissed before you have the courage to go up and dance and then all of a sudden I'm here all these people with flowers in their hair and bandanas on and everything and I'm just here going like what the fuck is this place it's a total hippie nation like, oh it's crazy I, and then some dude are, you're not allowed to talk and some dude who thought yep. he controlled the whole place like uh started giving out to me because i was whispering to a friend uh, and then i was just like i was pissed off at him and i wanted to but right eventually i got into it and started swinging my arms and moving my legs a little bit and you know, it was fun. It was interesting. It was like I had a surreal moment when I left, like just walking home and I was here going, wow, I've just had a night out and I'm like completely stone cold Please sober. sober. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I'm going to go to bed and I'm going to wake up feeling good tomorrow. So it was cool. Maybe I should challenge myself to do it again. You should do it again. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll see. Absolutely. We'll see. We'll see. I, I pushed myself. my first experience when I moved to L.A., <clears throat> the first thing I, the first like activity I did was a static dance. And it was, you know, in the middle of the afternoon on a Sunday. And I walk in there and there were these um, men with long hair pulling crystals out of their pockets and talking about um, what the different properties of the crystals were. And I was like, oh, these are my people. <laughs> so happy to be here. <laughs> oh, I just think that's fun. so weird. But it's cool at the same time, whatever works. Right. Um, I exactly. think dancing must be huge. I mean, I, like, because dancing is real. I know so many people that, like, you know, if you go out to Ubud, it's massive, right? It's like the Friday night extravaganza. They do it on oh, Sunday yeah. morning up there as well. And I had Shay on here a couple of weeks ago, and she was just saying how much she loves to dance on her own. And I think just how good that makes her feel and how yeah. it helps her manage her anxiety, actually, which Huge. is which yep. is which is really interesting. And then when I was watching your talk, I was here going, oh, right, I'm starting to see a trend like a lot of people and, you know, a lot of people in Ubud would not necessarily at some stage, they probably dealt with some shit in their lives um, mm -hmm. and they get so much from dance that it, it, it yeah. is incredibly powerful. I kind of like to like it. Yeah, I didn't realize. So dancing, honestly, was a medicine that I used to heal from depression. And I didn't realize until many years later why that was. And I, what I figured out is that it enables me to ground myself, to like really be in my body instead of all over the place taking care of other people. And like when you're on the dance floor, especially when you're sober, you are present. Mm -hmm. You are right there in the moment. And I, I feel like I had spent so much time. I, I rarely am in the moment. Yeah, I don't so, think many people are. <clears throat> yeah. And dancing, it will just get me there. And just the, I mean, movement is obviously good for your body. So it, it helps get the, the kinks and the lumps and bumps and all that kind of stuff out. It's just, it's just a, a really good way for me to kind of ground myself. And um, it, it feels good. Like there, there's really nothing more than that for me. It, it feels good. And, you know, sometimes you meet fun people when you're out and 
you know, that's, that's kind of fun, but it's just, it's really about the, the movement and being present, which is really difficult for me. Yeah. I, that's, that's really interesting. I, I mean, I think presence is, is so important. And I think a lot of us really try too hard to cultivate presence and just mm-hmm. de facto, that's not being present. I wrote an article about it recently, just in Singapore, where I was just kind of, yeah, myself and my girlfriend, we decided to not like get SIM cards so we wouldn't be connected to our phones. We didn't have, you know, unless we were in a wow. Wi-Fi area, we, we were only there for yeah. a few days. It wasn't that big a challenge, but still right. it felt monumental at the time. And oh, yeah. when we were just sitting down watching dinner we're in this place called Haji Lane, real cool little lane where, you know, you're just sitting out on the on the street and there's live music going on all the way up and down. And the it was more of me just feeling completely present in the moment. Like I mm-hmm. and like I define presence when you just like you do not have a care in the world. You're just like in right. a moment. Any of that shit that's fucking with your head is non-existent existent right. in that moment. And it feels great. Um, mm-hmm. So the more we can do that, the better. And if you can, if dancing does that for you, I'd be dancing every day. Yep, I do. I don't always go out to dance, but I do dance every day in some way, shape or form. So do you have a routine? Do you just put your headphones on or do you go like, okay, I'm I'm dance time now. I'm turning the music on. I just turn turn on the music and and just jam. (laughs) I have a couple of times actually gone live. Um, oh, wow. I was dancing. <laughs> that was That's a good way fun. to get out of your comfort zone. Oh yeah, definitely. It was very fun. Um, but yeah, and my son loves to dance to the house that I live in right now. Um, is a co-working house. There's four of us, so we oh, really? have uh, dance parties in the kitchen all the time and do fun stuff like that. That's cool. It's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. But- how important is fun and how often do we just neglect that? Oh, yeah, I'm finding honestly that it's, it's really the most important thing. And it's also the thing, as you said, that is most neglected. Uh, we're so programmed to work and, and me personally, I've been programmed to work hard and that work has to be a struggle. But when I don't take time out to do fun stuff like dance and go connect with people then then work is hard and it's a struggle but when i do make time for that it flows so much better and so much easier and it just it's Mm. so much more natural when i'm when i'm taking care of myself in that way yeah i find that you know when you put this if anxiety and depression kind of like just comes on it hits you like a boss right and we'll mm-hmm. we'll talk about your experience and that just becomes the only thing you think about so i'm anxious i'm depressed right. i'm anxious i'm depressed i'm anxious i'm depressed <laughs> shit 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 things get worse 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 and I, exactly. I find like you know obviously there's stuff to work through there and it's mm-hmm. it's not as difficult as it as it seems but when you're in it it is incredibly difficult if you don't like at least have someone that you kind of love or someone a professional supporting you through it that knows what they're talking about and i agree the sooner and it's it's challenging to get out and have fun when you're not feeling great but the sooner you can find those things that you really love to do 
and push yourself to do them, the sooner you're going to start like realizing what's important in life. Yep. Absolutely. That's very much how it was for me. Like I didn't always feel like dancing every Friday night, but at the same time I needed to dance my body, my mind. I just needed it. And, um, when I moved to California, I didn't have that, you know, dance home, that place uh, to go for a long time. And I really struggled more than I, I would have had I been going out dancing on a regular basis. Brilliant. So let's chat a little bit about your experience with depression and to a lesser degree anxiety. Is that correct? Yes. So um, I was definitely a more depressed person in my past, although now I'm more anxious. Like I still have bouts of depression every now and then, um, but I, I'm having more anxiety than I've ever had in my life, which is strange because I'm happier than I've ever been in my life. So I, I really sat and thought about why is it that I'm having all this anxiety? Why, you know, when things are going well and I'm, I'm living out my dream. Wow. And it's because <clears throat> everything that I'm doing is new. So in the same way that, that you did your improv class and you're going to go back to a static dance. Oh. You know, that, <laughs> I didn't say that. that. I did not I, say I that. I know. I'm just putting it out there for you because I think it would be awesome. Um, but those things are new to me. Uh, like uh, everything that I'm, I mean, I'm living in a new state uh, and that's, violently different than the mid you know i'm living in california which is very progressive every everybody's different here than they are in the midwest um <clears throat> so everything i'm encountering is new so i don't know i don't know what the outcome is going to be and that's kind of like that's where anxiety comes from is that fear yeah, of uncertainty you know depression is very comfortable because you know what to expect right like for me depression was I didn't get out of bed for seven years. And I mean that literally, like really? I went to work. Yeah. I mean, I was depressed, severely depressed. Most of my life was heavily medicated. We're talking like almost a thousand pills every month. Oh, shit. <clears throat> and, and for seven years, I didn't get out of bed except to go to work. I went to work. I did a fantastic kick-ass job at work. And then I came home and went to bed. Meanwhile, I was a single mother. And this, this all started culminating, like the time that I spent in bed started happening when my parents were dying. And um, I lost both of my parents in the same year, which was also the time when my son was going to middle school and his father, who, you know, we've been divorced since he was two years old, so it wasn't like we were together, but his father was very involved in his life. And then suddenly his father moves out of state his grandparents are dead and his mom doesn't get out of bed. Oh, wow. Sorry to hear So when that. I say we've been, yeah, I mean, when I say we've been through the shit, we've been through the shit, like, in every way possible. Um, and what I learned, not during that time, but what I learned long afterwards when I started to heal, I was, I start, when I started, like, I went to a therapist. I went to all kinds of therapists over 20 years. Mm -hmm. But finally, I, I had a, my, 
my psychiatrist retired and I had seen him for like 20 years. I was seeing this new med doctor and she's like, I'm not going to prescribe your medication unless you see a therapist. And I, I was dependent on that medication or so I thought, by the way, I'm three years med free. Good for um, you. <clears throat> thank you. So I thought I was dependent on that medication. And so I'm like, okay, if I have to go to a therapist, I've got to have somebody that's going to call me on my bullshit. I've got to have someone that's going to keep me accountable. I don't want someone that's going to commiserate with me and say, oh, that's so bad. I'm so sorry for you. You know, I want someone to be like, yeah, honey, that's bad. But what are you going to do about it? That, yeah, I love that. I mean, I think <laughs> pity is kind of one of the worst things you can, you can do. It's, it, it's, it's. What am I trying to say here? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah. Like compassion is, is good and it's important. Um, but I also needed a kick in the ass. Yeah. Cause you cannot and facilitate I, self pity because it, by pitying someone, you're facilitating self pity. And that's almost the, the easiest, yeah. the is, easiest state to go in and nothing good comes mm -hmm. from it. Yep. So I finally got serious. I got a, uh, a therapist who, not only did she call me on my bullshit, but she, we related to one another really well. She was also a single mom. She also had lost her mother. Um, so we just, we really connected and I really just, um, I, she was, she was the catalyst to my healing. And, um, it was, it was really important, um, connection for me. But then I started also supplementing that with some spiritual work, some chakra healing, some energy work and Reiki and all of that. And I was working with, um, I work with several intuitive counselors. I've been getting healing touch since 1993, but I got like more serious about it. And <clears throat> my son ended up when he graduated from high school, by the time he graduated from high school, I, keep in mind, I'm a single mom. I can't stand to be apart from my son. Mm -hmm. Okay. By the time he graduated high school, his senior year, he was arrested four times. And so when graduation rolled around, thank God he graduated. Everybody's like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, he can go. Time. Like, it's time. He needs to go. Like, I'm so ready for him to leave and go to college. And he went out of state. He lived with his dad. He went to trade school. And during that time, I was all alone. And I had to look in the mirror and be like, all right, dear, what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. Like, what are you going to do? And I started getting well. And, and lo and behold, he started getting well. He's in a new environment. I'm in a new environment. We both started getting well. And so I'm talking to this healer about it. And I'm like, I am so proud of him and what he's done and how he's become, you know, gotten so much better. And when she said, you know, he's a reflection of you, right? And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, our kids mirror our behavior and she didn't come out and say it, but basically our health as well. Mm -hmm. And I really thought about that. Like, first of all, I don't want to take credit for the work that he did because he's spectacular on his own and does all of his, you know, he's, he does great work. But at the same time, me taking care of myself showed him a totally different side that he hadn't seen for a long time. And like, I moved to California <clears throat> before he did he lives here now um and he's like you know mom if you hadn't shown me what it looks like to follow your dreams 
I wouldn't be here. I'd still be getting arrested all the time. I'd still be getting drunk all the time. I'd still be, you know, doing all these unfortunate things. So I just, it was really eye-opening for me to see that the more I improved who I was, the more he kind of did the same. And again, I'm not taking credit for what he did at all. He did that on his own. Um, but sometimes it's collaboration, right? Us. Yeah. Well, yeah. And to, to show people what it looks like mm. to, you know, I, I never saw my mother follow any dreams. In fact, I saw her, um, repress and suppress everything that she was to take care of everyone else. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's just a completely different paradigm to say, Hey, I'm going to, and keep in mind when I, when I left Des Moines, my son had a, a dance injury of all things. He broke his um, ankle really badly and couldn't walk for 90 days. And I had just sold the home we lived in for 20 years. And everybody's asking me, are you, are you going to leave him? You know, are you going to leave? And I'm like, yeah, I am. I'm totally going to do it because I want him to see what it looks like for me to be lit up. I want him to see me happy. I want him to see me um, follow my dreams and help other people follow their dreams. And I had this discussion with him before I left. And I said, I, I know you're in a shitty place and I'm, I'm sorry about that, but I have to do this. And he said, I respect the fuck out of you for that. Later, he told me he was really butthurt, but he also respected me heavily for doing that and and now that he's doing the same thing in terms of following his dreams um he's like i thank god for you doing that and showing me the way that's really inspiring and thank i you, I, you know because it these decisions aren't easy and it can't be easy being a mm -hmm. parent god um mm -hmm. i think i think there's a lot to be said and a lot to learn for doing what's right for you so other okay. is actually what's right, right for people and we hold this guilt yes. that if we're doing what's right for yes. we for us we're letting other people down and then the consequences of that is anxiety depression misery and then but they, those other people are in our environment so as you said they're a reflection so so their mood gets yep. pulled down and nobody yep. nobody wins so really exactly. really got to look after yourself first and that is yes. in the best light that's looking after those it around is. you too but we're not taught that no you know, and what you know one of the most interesting thing i would learned through this whole process is that all that time that i was so medicated and i was diagnosed with everything i mean we're talking like major depressive disorder i was diagnosed as bipolar at one point um you know just all sorts of diagnoses I wasn't really depressed at all I was suppressed and repressed mm -hmm. and once I started expressing myself and for me that expression was writing and now um, I want to do it more in the form of speaking once I started expressing myself and like being true to who I really am and not hiding it then I wasn't depressed anymore and that's the power of vulnerability and just sharing yeah. Yeah. sharing your shit with loved ones or with a with the internet mm -hmm. on a TED yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on a TED stage. But yeah. a re really a good place to start is just 
having conversations with those that you love and and letting them right. know also like like you know you feel like shit but you're not telling anybody you feel like shit so you're trying to yeah. hold the weight of the world on your shoulders and that's just not possible right. and like without fail one conversation always makes someone feel better no once they get someone that can that has compassion right that that right. that understands that life is not a a walk in the park and mm -hmm. yeah it's amazing what can happen when you just kind of open up and i don't like the vulnerability thing is yeah it's really powerful and like brene brown brought it to the to the forefront yeah. of all our minds yeah. and uh, did you see her talk on netflix oh hell yeah so oh, good eh? Yeah. So, fantastic. so, so good. And yep. uh, Mark Manson wrote about it heavily in his book, Models, mm -hmm. which was before the subtle art. Now it's it's like I wrote an article about it. I can't remember what I call the article, but it's like it's almost become a commodity where it's there's some people that are just taking the absolute piss and they're ruining it for other people because they're just making it yes. up to sell <clears throat> shit online. I yeah. I, I, yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're just here going, fuck, shut the fuck. <laughs> yeah, like, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know that I can even say anything eloquently, but I don't I try. That, like, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, so, um, I've been deeply touched by suicide. So I'm a suicide survivor, as is my son. Um, one of my exes committed suicide. There's like, Lots of suicide, but it feels like everybody's a suicide person nowadays. Like everybody's mm. like, oh, you know what I mean? Like it, it's, I feel like it's just kind of tossed around. Like it's, it's not a big deal anymore. And yeah, especially when it's used in a, I can usually feel when it's, when it's real and when it's fake. And I, I just feel a lot of that fake well, suicide stuff out there as a way of yeah. connection for sales. I have a feel. It, it feels gross to me. No, me too. And like, I'm not a, a a suicide victim, but I feel I have a good intuition to that. Like, I've 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 been to pretty dark places. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it might have like at worst, like when kind of rock bottom was here, going shit. Is is it going to eventually take me there? But I, I definitely wasn't there, so I. I I can't under can't imagine like how much work it has to get, and then I I see I, it, it does piss me off, and let's just go there because I I kind of have a theory about it, and some people listening might not like this, but whatever. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they're not the people I I want listening anyway, or I want to relate right. to. Right. Um, exactly. There's so if you have. I've seen it on LinkedIn and I, and I see this person and they gain momentum and, mm -hmm. and there's confusion in the world besides like, we're talking about like serious depression, not getting out of bed for seven years. I, I, that, that, that's crazy. That's like, you know, I, like I, I don't ever want a pity card or anything like that, but my panic and anxiety just fucked me up and ruined me with a headache for years and it was, it was awful. And then, so, most of the world don't know what an anxiety disorder is, right? Even though, right. like, we're in epidemic levels and suicide rates are, are, go are going skyrocket and all that. But most of the world still don't, can't relate. 
because it's right. like on a disorderly level, the newest stat I recently read in a book is one in nine. So when someone, they're here going like, the rest of the world, and this is just my theory on it. This is just my theory on it. When, when people write these heartfelt posts that aren't, that are kind of manipulative, right. the rest of the world just want to believe that to be the truth. So they're here going like, so, so that gives the rest of the world permission to say, you know, shake it off, snowflake. If he can do it, anyone can do it. Right. And that person has a misconception of what, like, let's just take social anxiety for example. So, because I have an example in my mind. That person believes they had a social anxiety disorder, but they went out and they did a few things and then they're up on stage giving talks, loving life. That's not a social anxiety disorder. That's like a little bit of social anxiety. That's just a bit of nervousness. This is my, again, this is just my take. And I've seen the trend with these, you know, the likes come in and all of a sudden it's like this big emotional talk about when I was suicidal and you're here and I'm here going like, and, and it doesn't fit. It doesn't line up with anything they've said previously because they, Right. They adopt this attitude that you have to be perfect and you have to work like this. And if you're slacking, you're fucking useless and blah, blah, blah. And they actually use this kind of language. And I'm just mm -hmm. here going like, and then they, and people lap it up. And I'm here going, oh, you suckers. <laughs> that is such bullshit. Yeah. So I'm like fucking on follow. But it, it re, because it's so disrespectful to people that are really going through shit and it kind of, I don't know if demonizes it, but it, oh fuck, what's the word? Anyway, so it kind of demonizes them a bit or like, because it makes them feel less. It makes them feel like their disease is less and they should, right. should it should be able to be just shaken off. Um, I wouldn't drives say me that nuts. it can be shaken off. Like, I, it, I agree. It totally drives me nuts. And the one thing I want to make sure that I'm, I, I state, like, I don't think anyone's disorder, depression is better or worse than anybody else's. Like, even if it's just a little bit of anxiety, if it's anxiety for that person, it's anxiety for that person. Like, I think there's so much, um, shame going around about, um, well, my, my trauma is worse than your trauma or my anxiety is worse than your anxiety. And you know what? We all have all that we can deal with. Yes. You know, we're all challenged in the same way. But also, I do agree that we can all come out. Like, I went through some really bad shit. Like, it was it was bad. And, and I was told, I mean, I literally in a letter from my psychiatrist was told I will not recover and I will not ever be able to be without the thousands of medications I was taking every month. And that's not the truth. So I, there's a, there's a little bit of both. Like I don't want to, be disrespectful and be like, hey, you can overcome this. I know it's hard. I know it's challenging, but you really can. Yeah. 
really good. Even when the professionals, I'm trying to think of what my, we had a funny name for the, the med doctors. Um, I can't even remember. Even when the professionals tell you you can't, it's really, it's, it's up to you if you want to do something different. You can. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, after that rant, the, the, this is probably the end of this podcast anyway. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, th I think, you know, I, I just don't see that as, as empathy. And I have empathy for anybody just experiencing shit in life. It, it's uncomfortable. But when I don't like when it's like overly pushed and made out that like when people refer to people as losers and stuff and, and i'm just here going oh yeah what no, are you talking about you don't you don't understand this at all if that's the if right. that's the language you're using um right so that annoys me but i get that we all have different degrees of of and there's no like i mean it nearly has become in vogue so there's no, it doesn't matter what level of right. the scale yeah. you're on you've got work to do regardless and it's exactly. it, we're presented with challenges in life and you can like misery is the easiest option yes and so. in terms of the work the, the work so i used to fight um i was all about fighting fighting the mental health stigma and and um that just got me more anxiety and depression and so instead i started fighting for my joy and um just from a law of attraction standpoint, you get more of what you think about. And so, you know, back to our earlier conversation, fun is where it's at. Joy is where it's at. Dancing is where it's at. Like that's, that's how we can get to be healthier, happier people. I love that. In my opinion. <laughs> that, that's so beautifully put. Um, again, not the dancing and all that kind of stuff, but the, <laughs> the <laughs> uh just not trying to fight the stigma i feel yeah. i feel we're all trying to fight the stigma and that yeah. is not that is not a battle you're going to win yeah right. like i mean i do believe a fight has to be had against the stigma but if that's the first kind of um opponent you're going to go up against you're going to be in for a long uh, arduous process and you're never going to come out of that one right yeah it's nuts so let's talk about anxiety a little bit all right you, what do you want to talk about <clears throat> oh whatever but um <laughs> i guess i'm supposed to run this conversation <laughs> so i just had an article published in the mighty um that congratulations is, you beat me to you. it Oh, just keep at it. They, I got an email here. yesterday saying they are publishing my article. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. See? Congratulations. Th That's awesome. Yeah, it'd be a nice tag for the website. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But so, they're a good um, publication. They are. They're a fantastic publication. Um, so my article is about, um, they, they changed the title of it. The title is something about, like, the name my son gave anxiety changed me. So um, what I mentioned that I have more anxiety here now. Yeah. You know, things are better for me. And what I experienced the most anxiety, my son has termed the Mama 500. The Mama and that 500. Is, 
the Mama 500. So if you think of the ND 500, which is a race where they run um, laps for 500 miles. Um, so it's literally just doing laps in my brain. And most of the time, when I really, so he, he said that to me, he's like, you're on the Mama 500. You're just doing the same loop over and over again. When I really analyzed the times that I do the Mama 500, and that's the, the, like, the obsessive thoughts, the you can't possibly sleep because you're thinking about something that happened in sixth grade or something that happened last week or the conversation with your employer. All of the times that those, <clears throat> that I'm doing the loops in my brain are times when I didn't stand up for my truth. There are times when I didn't have the conversation I was supposed to have. There are times when I faked it because it's easier. Or I put on a mask because I'm afraid people won't really appreciate who I am. And that was really telling for me. Like, first of all, the Mama 500 is a pain in the ass and it doesn't get you anywhere. Like, if you're going to spend 200 miles on the road, let's let's go on a road trip. Mm-hmm. Um. But second, it's just, it's, it's so disheartening. And the more that I can, first of all, know my truth. And for a long time, when I was depressed, I didn't even know what my truth was. To know that, and then to be able to stand in that, regardless of what's going on outside. So when the family doesn't agree, or you don't speak to your family anymore, or your boyfriend doesn't like it, or you have to set a boundary that is uncomfortable with an employer. You have to charge someone for, for work that you did. And you know, you're, you're used to kind of cowering. That's when the mama 500 comes up. That's when the loops come up and you do that same, like, I can't sleep because I didn't deal with this issue. So I'm finding that like, again, finding out who I really am and what I stand for, and then being able to continue to stand for that regardless that you know and you want to have some flexibility um but you don't want to flip-flop you know you don't want to just do what everybody else says because it's easier you want to do what's best for you period Mm. and so that that helps me to alleviate at least that part of the mama 500 and i'm not great at it like i still do the mama 500 kind of i want to say daily right now but well, it sounds fun <laughs> no it is not fun you well, it was just like the mama 500, 500 it's a... <laughs> it sounds like a blast doesn't it it's yeah, like a big static just... dance party no it's it's running the same fucking loop over and over again and and my son is like i'm not even gonna talk to you like i'm tired i'm tired of having the same conversation over and over again yeah he gave it such a good name <laughs> He's great at it. He's totally great at it. We have some amazing conversation. And that, you know, that's the best thing. Like, I was, I, I, I like to say that I'm a great parent, but I, I, there were times when I was not a great parent at all. And um, we've really, like I said, we've been through some shit, but we've also talked about the things that we've been through. We've apologized. We've forgiven one another. And it's it's behind us it's completely past and every time like when I go to his his work I'll pop in and say hi every now and then and um, when I meet people for the first time they're always they they're always so complimentary of him as a man 
And um, before I can even say, you know, he wasn't always this fantastic, they usually say, and he told us it wasn't great. Like, he wasn't always this great. And so he's he's just really authentic, and he um, he he's great about appreciating the shit we went through because if we hadn't been through all the shit we would not be where we are now and you know last year we're sitting out by the pool and this house that we both live in and he's like if you had told me five years ago that we'd be living in cali sitting by the pool and i'd be smoking a joint with you by my side keep in mind it's legal here um <laughs> He's like, I, I never would have believed it. Never. And honestly, I wouldn't have either. But all of the shit that we went through, much of it cannabis related, um, was just setting us up to be where we are now. Uh, cannabis in a good way or a bad way? Oh, when I said he was arrested four times <clears throat> senior year, cannabis related okay but you're able to sit down and smoke a joint and chat about it now i oh he i i it's not pretty when i smoke um <laughs> that's a whole nother like the dancing goes to a whole show. new level <laughs> that is a whole nother show um but no like i accept that's who he is yeah, and for sure it's legal and and better it's legal and the health benefits are undeniable absolutely undeniable so so yeah like i i believe that all of that shit we've been through was just like i i sent um one of my sisters my ted talk after i did it and um they came back and they were like oh my god i have three sisters and all of them were like this is amazing and my response was you know thank you and i'm so grateful for everything that we went through because if we hadn't it wouldn't have happened like it literally all of those things all of that shit that we went through got me to a place where I am today and so that's that's the the hope that I want to give to everyone no matter how shitty your situation is no matter how horrible it feels and I'll tell you what seven years in bed and and uh, trying to raise a, a teenager on your own is health um or it can be health mm-hmm and um, to just be where we are today is is fantastic. You just you have to keep at it. And and the fact that we went through all of that stuff, I think, just makes the story more relatable and more remarkable. Like, who hasn't been through shit like that? Most mm. people don't talk about it. Everybody's been through some shit like that, but most people sweep it under the rug. Mm. And we're we're just not doing that. It's not healthy. No, it's not healthy. Mm-mm. And it sounds like you're a great mom now, and I'm sure he's very grateful for it. Thank you. Yeah, he is. So fast forward, you are dealing with more anxiety now. Is that... I am. Oh God, don't tell us that. So, <laughs> <laughs> but but anxiety, like anxiety, doesn't have to be bad. Like no. anxiety is trepidation anxiety is a little bit of fear anxiety is a hey i'm not sure how this is going to try how this is going to go um and and it's something you just have to 
push through and try it. And every time that I do, then it, you know, it's all about neuroplasticity, right? Like mm-hmm. Every time you, you step through and, and you, you win, then you prove to yourself that you can do it. And then you do it again and again and again, and it's not so hard. So like, you know, the first time you, you dance sober is really challenging. And then the next time it's not. So I dancing sober for me was a mistake. I actually got really sick, which was part of like, it was my wake up call and, and why I started getting well. I got really sick and I was on a medication where I couldn't drink alcohol for two, two weeks. And I had just started this you know, this mom group and going out dancing. And I was like, Oh, I don't think I can do it. And I went and I had fun. I was able to drive home without any fear. And I woke up feeling great the next morning. And I was like, Hey, that's pretty cool. But I tell you, I was terrified to do it. You know, I was really uncomfortable, but now it's, I don't give it a second thought. And so I think the reason why I'm having so much anxiety now is all of these things that I'm doing are new. Yeah, I love that. It it is, I mean, every time, like even recording this podcast the first few times, and and yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's still a scary thing. I'm I'm not looking at the public speaking world just yet. And yeah, but I, I do believe that, you know, it's hard to find appreciation in anxiety, especially when you're like, mm-hmm. where you haven't anything figured out, like, and you just think that you're like, all hope is, is gone, or depression, mm-hmm. you just think this is like, this is gonna, this is gonna get the better of me. Um, yeah. But eventually, we, you know, it's weird, because it's like that rock bottom is probably the most beautiful place in the world. Because it is. It, yeah. that's the place that will give you such a kick in the hole that you're going to make the changes that need to be made and when you when you decide to own it and take on that responsibility and it's kind of like it's an uncomfortable situation it's like you know when you're working through anxiety at the start it often it it more often than not brings on a little bit more anxiety because you gotta Mm -hmm. oh yeah you know you gotta go to the root of it and that's not a fun thing to do ever and you gotta face it and you gotta like acknowledge it and all that kind of stuff right yeah when we're used to just running away every second so Mm -hmm. i think it's a credit to you that you you've kind of you have this major fight within you and you're just like lapping it up and and taking on this excess anxiety um that that's cool and just seeing the good in it yeah it's it's hard to see the good in it while it's happening. It's much easier afterwards to be like, oh yeah, okay, I get it. <laughs> like I I see why that happened. But I want to share something. So I talked to someone, gosh, a couple of weeks ago who was literally um, on the verge of suicide. She's I don't want to be here. I don't want to be in this body. I don't want to be in this life. I don't want to be, you know, I don't I don't want to be where I'm at. And we talked about it and. Um, got through that night and the next day and then the next day so we're talking two days later I get a message that says I don't know what happened it's like something shifted and I'm happier than I've ever been like it's just everything's okay I feel really good and um you know I just had to remind her that when those when you get in a dark place again 
I want you to remember that this day where you're at right now, this feeling amazing is on the other side of it. You just have to get through. And I'm not saying getting through is easy. It's not. It's Mm -hmm. a fucking bitch. But the joy is on the other side. Beautiful. You just have to persist. And that that appreciation when you get to the other side, like life, yeah. life looks seriously that. great, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. like oh, and it's yeah, I feel good today. Yeah. Woohoo! Yeah, we're here to feel great. Work should feel great. Our relationship should feel great. Our housing environment, everything should feel great. And I get that for most people it doesn't, but that doesn't mean it can't. So just knowing that there there are other possibilities out there is huge. The possibilities are endless, right? I I, I think they are. There's another problem. <laughs> another problem. <laughs> <laughs> You're full of them tonight. <laughs> yeah, no, I I I turned around to uh, I was at dinner last night and I was here going. I asked the question, do you think freedom exists? And, and it, like, it turned into a massive debate, and I'm here going, freedom doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm writing it. That, that's probably true for most people. Yeah. Um, oh, but I do not, we, we do not want to get into this argument right now. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a whole Yeah, it was just like, <laughs> it, it just went on, and, while, and everyone was here going, yeah, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. And then uh, and it, it just escalated. And, and before before long, I had them all so pissed off, I just find everything that, that pisses them off about their life. <laughs> and they were all going mad. I was just here going, freedom doesn't exist. <laughs> And the one, the one, uh, the one girl was there and she was like, I don't hear God, like the, the first step to freedom is just admitting to yourself that it doesn't exist. And she, <laughs> she was the one, the one girl that was kind of content and not wanting to, to, uh, knock me out at the end of the dinner was, um, she was just sitting back with a smile on her face. You know, I'm just happy knowing that I, I'm, I'm never going to be fully free. <laughs> admitted it yeah so that's an article i'm writing at the moment which should be interesting absolutely Um, i don't know where that came from (laughs) that's okay yeah okay on that note since i forgot my trail of thought again (laughs) this is probably the last ever episode of no bullshit anxiety talk show but it's been a fun one going out in a blaze of glory what would be your three greatest tips for someone that's just in a dark place right now and they're confused and they just life is shit and they don't know what to do uh first and foremost reach out call someone um text someone i facebook saved my life the the cool thing about facebook and in particular closed groups are you Someone is always available 24-7. We are worldwide these days. So you don't have to reach out to your brother, your sister, your friend. I have found strangers on the internet to be more supportive than people in my life, mm-hmm. particularly in, in this situation. So number one, reach out. Like there is always, always, always someone available 24-7. No questions. And what I found people on the internet... <clears throat> 
I wrote a post about this a while ago is that they it's weird that people on the internet support us in ways the people in our lives don't like people my friends on the internet tell me they love me and they're proud of me more than my family ever has my entire life and I'm 48 years old and I'm like why is that and I think it's because the people that we meet online so some would say it's it's fake it's not a real connection. I completely disagree with that. Um, I think that the people we meet on the internet are seeing us as who we are right now, instead of who we were five years ago, who we were seven years ago when we never got out of bed, who we were, you know, in this job. Like, they don't have all of this built up drama associated with who we are. They see us as who we are, who we're trying to be today. So reach out to peeps on the internet. There's tons of um, there's tons of closed groups for depression, anxiety, any of that. And I and I would say like that's that's I don't want to say get your shit together, but like get through the night kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Get to therapy and get a good therapist that's going to help you not commiserate with you, but call you on your bullshit and keep you accountable and and accountable when I say accountable in this way I mean accountable to your health and accountable to your joy so making sure that you're taking care of yourself not just taking care of your responsibilities because when I was in bed for seven years I took care of my responsibilities well except the laundry I went nine months without doing laundry, and that's a whole. I wrote an article about that. <laughs> that was my first article that was ever published, which was um, how a trip to the laundromat saved my life, because <clears throat> it did. I mean, nine months <laughs> worth of laundry is a lot. I'll link it in anyway. the show notes. I want to read that. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. Um, so then, so first thing is reach out. Second thing is is get help, get therapy, and then. The other thing that was incredibly helpful for me is to supplement therapy with energy work, with spiritual work, with Reiki, with healing touch. Um, it, I'm kind of woo, I'm kind of out there, but it was so helpful to me. It supplemented the therapy in a way that I didn't expect. And then also I think um, coaching is very helpful. So you start with a therapist who can kind of get you from the 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 down dumps to kind of a baseline where you can function and a coach will take you from baseline to flourishing. And that's where we want to be, right? We want to be flourishing. We want to be enjoying our lives. We are not meant to just persist. Yeah. It's not meant to important. Yeah. No, like have some fucking fun. And you know, you first, you got to get well enough that, that you can make it through the day. And then, you know, once you're at that point and you're, you're stable, then take it up a notch and, and do some things like you're doing, you know, get out of that comfort zone. Depression is very comfortable. I understand that it's miserably, miserably uncomfortable, but it's also comfortable in the way that I didn't have to do things Mm because I was depressed. Like, I didn't have to do laundry. I didn't have to go to family gatherings. I didn't have to get dressed. I mean, shit, half the time when I went to work, I didn't even fucking shower. You I know? thought you were like, going to say get dressed. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, that I wasn't self-employed back then. I mean, Ugh. now I could I could still work without getting dressed, but back then I did have to dress. But I didn't shower. Most days I literally just pull and and I had a I was a director reporting to the CEO. Like I had a really good job, and I wasn't even showering to go to work. I I love those tips. Yeah. How, how, just a quick, because I could dive in. I'm really interested about the social media shit. Maybe we're going to have to have another chat if, if this doesn't, <laughs> if this doesn't all crash and burn. But, because <laughs> I'm, I'm really interested about like how you see those groups in a positive life. <laughs> this is just highlighting how negative I see the world. Um, <laughs> this is terrible. I'm so glad we're talking. This is terrible. Um, no, because I see, I do see a lot of those. I, I, I have one of those groups and it, it's kind of, a, mm -hmm. it, it's a smaller group band, but I, mm -hmm. I do see a lot of those groups and it's like, you have to, you know, where there's hundreds of thousands of people nearly in there. And it's like, it's, it's really not a good place for your health. Right. Because there's there are some that are not good and there are some that are good. And I'll tell you the groups I'm in today are completely different than the groups that I was in when I was depressed but they all serve their purpose. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but I love yeah, it, right? I, I would be I would love to have a discussion with you cuz honestly Facebook saved my life. No. Yeah, that's I mean down. that's really interesting Mark Zuckerberg would be very happy to hear that. Uh, you know I've told him. <laughs> you know I should <laughs> well, I should no send doubt. him my TED talk. <laughs> I should send him my talk cuz yeah. Yeah, probably. I mean I, I shit on so social resistant. media a lot. Um but loneliness is so pervasive these days it's it's a real 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 it's an epidemic i mean it's 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 also it's you know it's been labeled a psychological disorder and you hear people yeah. like we're we're more lonely than we've ever been in our lives so so i get i i get how you got to manage it right i get how social media can help for sure um, mm -hmm. As long as you're uh, intentional in how you use it. That's, that is the key word. So most people get on social media, they follow news sites, they follow their friends, they follow their family. And, you know, most of the shit that comes up is politics and, and shootings and, you know, all of the, all of the shit. I don't see any of that in my timeline. I mean, yeah, there's some of it because it's just pervasive but I only follow inspirational stuff. And so it's all about intention. TV, for example, I, I, don't, I don't watch TV anymore because <clears throat> when I do watch TV, it's usually a documentary or something on Gaia. Um, every now and then I'll watch a movie, but I, I mean, I used to watch like uh, crime shows all the time. Well, no wonder I feel like shit if that's all I'm watching, mm -hmm. you know? like you are a product of your environment and just like the way you keep your house, the way you keep your social media timeline is just as important. The people that you follow, the people that you allow in your, um, in your timeline. Yeah. It is essentially your circle and like, you know, all those mm -hmm. people that you accept and follow, you're, you're allowing them to, to take up space in your mind. Right. So it's pretty important to choose wisely. Absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. Well, listen, thank you 
so much for coming on. I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's a shame it's going to be the last. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I've loved talking to you. Uh, yeah, lo- we had too much fun for it to be the last. I, I just don't think this, you know, I think it's all good. Yeah. Um, I, like, because I was challenged on a few of my biases this weekend. Yeah. And it was mm-hmm. really, it was really interesting. It was really interesting just to see how, you know, some people, like, because I don't like doing Instagram stories, but because yeah. like, I just think, oh man, we're just stealing people's time the whole time. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's not necessarily true if you're adding value to someone and if people right. are deciding to follow you for the right reasons and you're following and consuming the right Instagram stories for the right reasons. And there was this, Dude, there was this dude in, who was taking the program too and he was just like he was he was telling a story of uh, you know and i could see his face light up about how just how he loves instagram stories and mm-hmm. putting out positive stuff and you know how much it, it makes his life better and also you know hopefully other people's lives better i'm here going that's a way better way that's a way better kind of way of looking at it, certainly than the way I look at yep. it. Um, yeah. So think about, think about social media this way. When you're worried about taking other people's time, if you think of someone like me, like when, when I started using social media, I was still in bed. And the cool thing about social media is you can do it in bed. Like, I'm still in bed, but I'm searching and saving, you know, these inspirational memes and things. So if, if you're taking someone's time for something that's positive, that's empowering, that's uplifting, like <clears throat> you're using that time for those great benefits instead of watching a like I stopped watching crime shows because I was I was accessing positive memes. I mean, literally, that's how I got started on social media. Was like, oh, this is a cool meme. Maybe this page has other cool memes, and then I, you know. So I would spend hours in bed doing that, which is way better than doing something negative. So just just think about like exactly as you said, if you're adding value and I can't imagine your stories not adding value in some way. Mm -hmm. And it's their choice. Like if if they want to spend time on it, let them. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I, I get caught so I, I get caught up so much in the statistics around the um, mental health and you know the I generation oh, yeah. and 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 how social media and phones and all that are causing chaos. It's right. really interesting. It's a hard one to navigate, and I'm lazy. It is. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Where yeah. where can people find find you? And I, I'm going to like link. You got to send me that article. I'll link it below. And, I will. And the TED Talk, of course. Okay. I will send those to you. So my new brand is called Collaborative AF. Collaborative, and, as, um, collaborative as fuck. Of course, yes. Oh, that's very rude. And um, <laughs> so... So that's my Facebook I like page it. and my website. Thank you, our collaborative AF. Um, you can find me there. I'm on Instagram, although I don't have a lot of Instagram on uh, on collaborative AF just yet. 
Um, feel free to friend me on Facebook. I, I try not to share the same stuff in, in all the places, but sometimes there's a, there's a bit of overlap. Um, my website has all of my content on there. I have, you know, dozens and dozens of articles I've written about depression. One of the tips you asked me about was, um, there's a, a really good article that was published in elephant journal about, um, tips that helped me. I think they titled it something like two tips that helped me from ruining my life. Um, that was one of my most, uh, positive in terms of page views article was, um, had some really good advice there about how to get out of that thinking. Uh, the mighty article should be on there as well. So yeah, lots of content, um, on my website. Awesome. And if you want less positive content, you can always go to NikkiCullen.com and read about how freedom doesn't exist. Oh my God, you're too funny. I've loved talking to you. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you. Have a great day. And wow, you made it to the end. I want to thank you for listening. It's probably not the best time to ask but if you did enjoy that you might consider jumping onto itunes and subscribing and leaving a review as it really helps won't be back next week have some other pressing stuff to work on but we'll be back again in two weeks thanks again